0: Welcome to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value, how important it is and how hard it is to get everybody in your company to either point it at the customer value or point it at the door. Today, I am thrilled to have Kara Golden, who's not only the founder and CEO of Hint Incorporated. Um, if you have know Hint Water, you know Kara's product. Uh, she's also quite a decorated business person and entrepreneur. She is uh, uh, EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017, uh, InStyles 2019 Badass 50, uh, which is a title I absolutely love. Uh, She was formerly uh, a business person at AOL, kind of at the birth of online shopping. Kara, welcome.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: Uh, really excited. Now, you also wrote the book, Undaunted. You've got your Undaunted hat. I've got my copy of Undaunted here, my signed copy. Uh, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it, uh, especially uh, like the early parts, recognizing the teepee, because uh, I'm here in Phoenix and, and recognizing Arcadia <laughs> High School and all that other stuff. Um, did pretty good for a waitress from the teepee.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's still people that work there that uh, were there when I was there. So it's, um, it's a lot of fun.
0: That's very cool. So in, in that book, you kind of called yourself an, on, an accidental entrepreneur. Tell us how that started and, and how you started with, with started Hint Water. Uh, but I was struck with, with something else that I'll ask when you kind of give us the, the accidental entrepreneur story.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think more than anything else, people have always asked me, did I always know I was going to be an entrepreneur? Did I always know I was going to be a beverage executive or start my own business and health and wellness? However you want to, you know, frame it. And I think for me, it was, it really, I think back on, I, I was always super curious. That's the only thing I can say. And it was, I was always asking questions. I wasn't afraid to, you know, feel stupid or not, you know, the most knowledgeable person in the room. And so it ends up that, you know, those are kind of the qualities that you need in order to go and actually be, I guess, fearless enough to go and start your own thing. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you have to be fearless and you have to be undaunted and you have to not let obstacles stand in your way. One of the subjects, uh, one of the chapters, you, uh, something seemed impossible or somebody told you, you can't do that. And the reply was, "But what can we do?"
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's still a common response that I say to this day. I mean, I think it's it's really, you know, there's there's so often that that people will just say, "Oh, it's just impossible. You you can't do something like that." And usually, you can. Um, it's just that people haven't weren't crazy enough or haven't thought that long about something to go and develop it. So that's your opportunity. Go figure out those holes and, and those, those ways to actually make things better. That's, that's my biggest advice.
0: You know, I I love the fact that your book is written uh, each, the title of each chapter is a lesson, an entrepreneurial lesson that you had to learn, right? Be brave. And, and, but what i one thing i noticed with with my you know background and understanding customer value is you started with a vision of customer value and value is the customer's outcome and you started with the idea of helping people live a healthier lifestyle because it had helped you through a person drinking water it helped you through a personal transformation and that became a driving force and that was that was like the chapter that you didn't write but every single there's something in every single chapter that you did write that goes back to I, we were all about being uncompromising, helping people live healthier lifestyles. And um, I, I mean, did, did, am I reading more into it than than You know, am I reading through my own value goggles or is that? No, kind of-
1: No, no, I, I think that that's absolutely correct. I mean, you know, the thing about it is, it, it, in many ways, I think growing up in tech. I started my career uh, beyond the teepee. I, I started my career in publishing, and then in in New York City, and then ended up coming to Silicon Valley and and working in tech. I mean, and and I think it was really in tech was was where I saw this thinking about the consumer constantly, because I think in many ways tech is is such a young industry right you could argue that for sure that it's been going on for years and but but the thinking when when people talk about silicon valley the core of what i've seen about silicon valley is really that there's no road map i mean things are developed people talk about it as innovation and all the things that go on in silicon valley but the real core is is that there's a whole lot of people in Silicon Valley and now it's extended beyond that for sure. But that, that kind of think about what the customer needs, right? Not just yeah, what yeah. they want. I mean, Steve Jobs kind of famously uh, talked about this, don't ask the consumer what they want because they don't know what they want, right? Instead, watch them, ask the right questions, ask, it, at, see exactly what's going on in their world and try and figure out if you can make life easier for them, if you can bring something to them that maybe they don't have that goes along with the way that they're living. And so growing up in that and, and having a sense of curiosity all along, I think, allowed me to just naturally bring that into the beverage industry. Now, when i started hint though too it wasn't like i thought okay i've got the perfect experience not at all in fact i'm a very normal person uh, that is it, you know has fears i had doubts i i kept thinking you know the people who have whatever worked at big soda companies or maybe procter and gamble with their incredible training program that they could squash me like a bug tomorrow. And if, if they wanted to, or, or maybe I needed to get those people to come on my team in order to actually make my company grow. And what I quickly figured out and something that I talk about in the book is that those people, unfortunately, in many of those companies don't know how to innovate. And that's the problem with large companies is that, you know, they're, they're all talking to themselves and, and each other. And, and they're really continuing to kind of stay on the same hamster wheel ver- versus actually listening to the customer and yeah. thinking about things differently.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the book I didn't write, that's um, still a manuscript sitting half finished was called called antipreneurs, why big companies can't innovate. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and they get stuck in a way of thinking it. And, and I think, People in tech are guilty of that too. There's there's some tech failures where people thought about the coolness of their product, what they do, their features, not how it affect, affected the customer, not how it improved the customer's life. And you pointed your company and all of your efforts directly on improving lifestyle, uh, improving health, excuse me, and, you know, where a beverage company wanted to fill out a product in- flavored water category. And so if that's what you're doing, you're trying to fill a category. There's a lot of things that can be good enough. There's a lot of flavor that can be good enough. And there's a lot of, well, we've got to make sure that the shelf life is long enough. And so we can sacrifice a lot of things in order to get the shelf life. that We all know in our business that you need and you were stupid enough or inexperienced enough, but you had that, you had that laser focus on what water and flavored water had done for you in your life. And that's the goal. You weren't trying to fill a category. You were trying to fill somebody's life. And so good enough means a lot different things, even though it looked maybe to an outsider, like you were both competing, but you weren't, you were one of you was going for something very different. Right.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, I think adding to, to that too, it was kind of a the perfect storm had set in my own life that you know an, another component that maybe people who are listening have have seen or or they'll relate to this when I talk about it is that, you know, I had grown up in the in this corporate ladder. So I, I joined as an executive assistant and got elevated to the manager and director and VP and and it it was, it was at that point when I realized that I was a little unhappy and bored, but I couldn't articulate exactly what it was. This is when I was at America online. And I kept thinking, maybe I need to go to a different company. Maybe I need to do something else. Cause I'm, I'm spending most of my time mentoring and managing and looking at the number, right. The numbers. And that was my life. And, and I didn't love what I was doing. So when I saw what changing my life for the better by getting off of my diet soda and started drinking plain water, I I really saw this big learning in front of me, not only that affected my own personal life, but it was that moment when I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water. And I I looked for this product in the market. You know, it's interesting too, that There's a lot of different types of entrepreneurs out there. I'm the type of entrepreneur where I don't want to go and do what someone else has done and do it better. I want to go and find the hole in the market. I give a million people, maybe not a million, but hundreds of people my idea before I actually go and start it. And then I get frustrated that it's still not out there. And then I decide to go do it. And I still do this. I I did it with sunscreen. I did it with deodorant and some of the other products that we have that are incredible products. But again, I think it's, it really boiled down to that. This core belief that I felt like if I could actually develop products that not only help me, but help a lot of other people that the world will be better. And when I, when I bit that apple. And I saw how people would write to me from day one and say, thank you for making this product. I had never in all of my jobs had somebody reach out and say, thank you for making a product. The, the power of somebody saying, thank you for helping me which is essentially what they're saying yeah, is, is a great thing. And, you know, frankly, that's carried over into the book too. It's, it's gotten a lot of people unstuck, which, you know, that, that is a very, very powerful position. And I think whether you create a product or start a company or you go volunteer or whatever it is, when, when you can be in a position where you can be helpful to people, that's really what triggered me to go and, and do what I did.
0: Well, and that kind of makes me wonder, you know, you, you've got this company that is growing that could easily be very consuming and very satisfying, but you decided to write a book. Tell, tell us about yeah. that. What, what, what drove you what to drove- distract yourself that way, right?
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm an accidental author as well, because this was, uh, this was a journal. And so I was doing, look, from day one of starting Hint, I would have many people reach out uh, and, and want to write the story about hint and how a tech executive, why in the world did you leave tech to go and start a beverage company? And you know, for years, I was telling the story and was invited to go sit on panels and stages to go and talk about, you know, kind of the building of hint and what I've learned. Or even after starting, hint, people would reach out and say, why in the world did you decide to start a direct-to-consumer business inside of the beverage industry? Don't you know better? People don't do things that way. And and again, so all of these you know, opportunities would come up. And oftentimes the Q&A at the end was, was almost like therapy for me because people would ask me questions that I hadn't really thought about. And I would answer to the best of my ability many of those things sometimes if I didn't know the answer I'd say you know I, I just don't know but I would go back to my hotel room and I would start writing and so after five almost five years I had over 600 pages in this journal and I and I would go back and look at some of these notes especially after I would or or prior to going to my next speaking event, I would think about some of these stories that I hadn't told before. And finally, I reached out to a friend of mine who's an author. And I said, how do I bind my journal and send it out to people? And she said, I'm sorry, I don't know if I know what your question is. Do you mean write a book? And I said, (laughs) no, 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 no. I I run a company. I don't have time to write a book. I, I don't know the first thing about, and she said, show me what you have. And probably the hardest thing, frankly, in writing a book was editing it down. Yeah. So I, I had uh, help editing it down and um, you know, the, the, then, then the other piece of it, when I launched it in October of 2020, which we all know what was going on during that mm. time, not to mention uh, about, A week and change before the election. I mean, it was probably not the best time to actually (laughs) launch a book.
0: Yeah, I I launched my book on March 13 of 2020, The Day the World Shut Down. So welcome, welcome to the Poor Timers Club.
1: Yeah, well, and, and the book, you know, in, in many ways, I think launching this book during the pandemic, I mean, I, I had many people, including my publisher say, you know, don't worry about it. We're still going to launch it, but hopefully it'll have a long tail to it because no one's going to be buying books. I mean, it hit Wall Street Journal, um, bestseller, Amazon bestseller. And, and you know, I think that the other thing that I've learned too is that the, uh, the, the the core thing is it's not just for entrepreneurs and certainly not just for beverage entrepreneurs, but also for people who are just trying to figure out maybe after the pandemic, what do they really want to do? Why are they not taking chances? Or is there that idea that they've always wanted to kind of develop and maybe help people as well that they've just never done because they didn't think they could. And so I think that knowing that this book has really helped a lot of people get to that point, I mean, that's a healthy thing.
0: That's an awesome thing. Um right? Uh, how does it feel to have people feedback? You know what what they thought of or learned from your book.
1: I mean it, it's it's great. I you know I, I think that the thing that I saw in launching Hint was that through my story, I, I'll I'll never forget. I was in the early days of Hint. I was uh, on a CNBC um, how I made it. Uh, or, or, not how I made it, um, how I made my millions um, segment. And on that segment, I talked about building hint and sort of exactly what I've shared here about, you know, being a tech executive and sort of wanting to do this because it had meaning to me and purpose. And I would run into people, I still run into people who saw that segment. And it's funny because. They take my story and they take components of their own life and bring it into my story. And so things like I was pregnant with my fourth child when I launched Hint, there was a lot of other things. Some people don't even remember that fact of you know, my book. But when I see people who have been pregnant and it, maybe they've been thinking, I can't actually launch a company because I'm pregnant. It's and and I always say to people, that's a that's a lesson of it's never a good time. Yeah, it, it, right.
0: It and, is and, never a good time.
1: And so, if I can share my story in a way that helps people to knock down their own walls, because I think as you'll agree, those are the most powerful, um, you know, inhibitors of being able to do something. So often, it's not the other people that are; they come later. It starts with you.
0: Yeah, you know, it and comes full circle to that. Yeah, it comes full circle to that person who told you you can't do something and you ask what you can do. We tell ourselves we can't do something.
1: Totally. And we're with ourselves all day long. So, you know, that's that's the most powerful thing. We have to get out of our own way. And and so what I learned through Building Hint was maybe they didn't have a diet, you know, coke addiction like I did. Maybe there's something around, you know, some other type of addiction in their life that they pick up on that and through my story, it helps them untangle something that they haven't been able to figure out for years. I had heard that about Hint for years and then I started hearing it with my book and I think that there's so many, it's like misery is company. I mean, I think that people hearing that I've been called sweetie by a, you know, male executive or,
0: right. That made my blood boil. And I, you know, I don't have ovaries,
1: but also people think, wait, that happened to her and she didn't just shut the company down. I mean, she didn't just say, okay, I got to give up. I just instead, you know, put it in my journal. I put it as one more story that I can look back on and, and it gains strength from it. And I think that that's the, that's the thing that I'm hearing about, about people who are reading this book that really, yeah. really sits with me. In never a
0: underestimate. Way. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of a good chip on the shoulder.
1: It, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and, you know, as I was saying to a friend who was sharing her, uh, challenges yesterday, I said, can you imagine if that person who's challenging you in some way knew that they were actually giving you strength, right? You'll get through this, but how irritating it would be to that person to know that everything they're saying to you is giving you the strength to take on more in the future. They wouldn't necessarily want to be doing that, but they are. Yeah. And I think that that's a real th- that's how I view life today, that every one of these challenges along the way, you can think about it as being placed in your journey for a reason. But I think more than anything that the more of these you have, look at the strongest people who are out there, right? that you know, that you can think of, they're and the ones that you really, that, that really inspire you are the ones that have stories, that have challenges along the way. And I think that the more honest you can be too about those challenges are that really makes you not only a more interesting person in, in many ways, but th- those are the people to watch out for. So it's not the people who have the most experience and you know the decorated, uh, you know, moved up the ladder the 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 certain way and those aren't even the happiest people it's the people that are grateful for all of the mountains that they were able to climb and the walls that they were able to crush right
0: yeah you know you you mentioned briefly that you've got this big direct to consumer business in consumer packaged goods in beverage and um i was just i'm one of my last podcast guest has talked about their community of users that they call members uh, as one of their biggest strategic secret weapons. Um, so now you've got this as a consumer brand, you've got this per- direct relationship with a whole bunch of your consumers. Does that is that the same kind of strategic strategic weapon for you that uh, you get to talk directly with your with your consumers more than a CPG firm?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting when, when you think about the power of retailers up until I would say even a few years ago, I mean, it's that basically they're, they're borrowing shelves. Maybe you've heard of consumer products as a, uh, the, the sort of challenges that you have at the retail level is because they have more money to pay for real estate. Yeah. Right? And, and so that's why the little guy has a hard time competing. That's why you don't get to see all of the brands that maybe you see for a minute and then they, they go away because they're a little yeah. startup brand and they're not able to make it. The reality is, is that the grocery stores and the big box retailers are the ones that have the data on the consumer. And so that. I, I, I won't even say that these consumer products companies um, you know, they, they really care about the revenue. They don't necessarily care about having that relationship with the consumer. So you think about it, you know, let's say that you're a large consumer products company and you go and launch in, in Costco, for example, you're going to, if you want to know about your next product, the standard way to do that is to go and run a focus group and go in and you don't go back. Maybe you launch a product after lots and lots of research, but you're paying again and then you're paying to be in stores. Not to say that it can't be a profitable business there, but you don't really have that relationship with the consumer to be able to go out to them directly. I Probably it. The best example I can name is is one where we when we launched our sunscreen. I mean, we decided to launch our sunscreen after you know many years of of growing hint and people said, "Why a sunscreen?" Well, I needed a sunscreen. I had uh, some precancer cells on my nose. I started really thinking seriously about sunscreen. I grew up in Arizona, as we talked about, and. That's when I thought we have this database of consumers at that time, not as many consumers as we do today, but why don't we just reach out to those consumers and say, hey, we've got this sunscreen that we just developed and it doesn't have oxybenzone in it. It smells like pineapple or grapefruit, uh, whatever you choose. And it's $20 a bottle. Are you interested? And just see what people say. And it was crazy. I mean, we had like a 65% response rate off of, we've never been in the business of selling that's crazy. Yeah. So people have said to me, when did you know you had a brand? And that's when I knew I had a brand. When you, when we could actually reach out to the consumer and share that we had a product with the brand name that had nothing to do I mean, hopefully nobody drank our sunscreen, right? It had nothing really to do other than the fact that there was trust. And how do you figure out if your consumer trusts you? That the they spend money with it, yeah. right? I mean, that is like, there's other ways. I mean, their engagement, et cetera, but that's a quick way to figure out whether or not to, to get that trial. Now, then it, it continues on with, loyalty and if they're subscribing, et cetera, then, then all of those factors as well. But if you don't have the ability for consumers to communicate directly with you, then, then that's, you know, super challenging. We were also 16 years ago, I'll say too, and in tech, I always learned that you put an email available to consumers so they could, you know, reach out to you. And so when we were launching the beverage, I thought, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, that would people, that wasn't normal to do it though. 16 years ago, people didn't on beverage bottles. They just didn't have it on there. Um, There were a few companies, I think Snapple had it on there. There were a couple that did, but for the most part, nobody was doing that. And yet I mean, the first day we were on the shelf at Whole Foods, I had consumers reaching out, and don't ever tell them, but when they reached out, I was the one that was answering the emails. I think they thought that it was a big customer service team. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was me. But you know, again, you can gain so much insight just by talking to consumers and. I mean, frankly, I, I even s- still leave a little bit of my time to be able to poke around and talk to customers and really understand kind of what's going on. Because the more you can engage with the consumer, the more that you can have, not just a, a relationship where you ask them questions and they answer, but also really see how and why they're responding to things and making predictions, frankly. Yeah. It's you know, um, it fun.
0: Yeah. We got, we got a care package of hint products and, um, the, the, uh, lip balm, my wife hates lip balm. She is living in Arizona and you still hate lip balm. Go figure. Um, and she said, this is the first one that I haven't hated. And I can't tell you what she thought, what I can't tell you what I think of the deodorant because she grabbed it and hid it away someplace and says, you know, you can't you go keep your distance buddy. So,
1: well, and it's and I think people are are curious. I mean, you mentioned the deodorant. It's, it's, I talked about me as an entrepreneur. There's plenty of natural deodorants out there, and people said, "Why would you launch it?" So I couldn't find a natural deodorant that didn't have a or it didn't have a coconut base in it, and so I kept saying, "I know many of the companies that have a natural deodorant." I said. You need to launch one that doesn't have a coconut base in it because I'm allergic to coconut. And there are many people who are allergic to coconut, maybe not anaphylactic allergic, but they have a sensitivity. And that's why they might get a light rash. They think the deodorant, it's actually the coconut that is causing the problem. Or maybe they're still sweating because they feel like, you know, that's, that's what's causing um, the issue. But so often I say to people, it's not the natural part of it. That's the problem. It's that, you know, it might be the coconut. It might not be, it might be some other ingredient, but so that's why we launched it.
0: Yeah. So common theme, right. Helping people live a healthier lifestyle, each and everything, right. It's, it's the common thread through your brand. And I absolutely love that. Um, how can people get a hold of you, learn more, uh, get your book? Uh, because we are, we've had a great conversation, but, and I could keep talking, but uh, you probably have a company to run.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I'm all over social at Kara Golden with an I, and of course, my book is available at bookstores and on Amazon. It's called Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Would love to hear from you and, and uh, see what you think about the book, and then, of course, uh, hint, uh, water, sunscreen, deodorant, um, available in lots and lots of stores on Amazon and then also at drinkhint.com. And uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to try it if you haven't. And if you have tried it and come back and, and see us for sure. Well,
0: that's great. Thanks, Kara. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks everybody for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we re- remind you that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that business is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value blue. blues.